0: Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Well, friends, we have reached the end of our series, What is a Journey Woman? This entire series has been such a rich opportunity to revisit past conversations on what it means to be a woman of God. Thanks to all of you who have made these episodes possible by donating to Journey Women Ministries. We are so grateful for your help as we seek to encourage women all over the world to know and love God more. Today, we're throwing it back to a conversation with Vanessa Hawkins on living in light of eternity because a Journey Woman lives with eternity in view. But before we dive into this conversation, I want to tell you about our sponsors who also help make it possible. Dwell, Promises Kept, and Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Do you long to study the Bible more deeply and be better equipped to teach God's Word? Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary offers a variety of flexible degree options that empower you to do just that. Southeastern believes that God has commanded each of us to go and make disciples by teaching His Word and sharing the truth about Jesus Christ. Through its diverse selection of certificate programs, master's degrees, and advanced degrees, Southeastern equips women to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Southeastern would be privileged to play a part in your growth in God's Word and your training to fulfill the Great Commission in all of life. To find out more, explore degree options, or schedule a visit, check out sebts.edu. why is it important that we keep our eyes fixed on eternity as we are walking through the various seasons and challenges that we face in this life?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think just as people, we have a need to find meaning in what we go through, whether it's joyous or hard. And the joys and hardships are not an end unto themselves. When we look to them as though we are, we can get into some really faulty thinking and draw faulty conclusions And so just looking solely at our joys might lead us to conclude that we have somehow earned favor because of our own goodness. But looking solely at the sorrows might lead us to falsely conclude that our unpleasant circumstances result from the Lord's displeasure or that he doesn't care. But placing our joys and sorrows within the framework of eternity helps us to take ourselves out of the center and places the purposes and desires of God, a good and sovereign king, there in the center instead. I think when we do that, we can then trust that our joys and sorrows are allowed by this gracious King and that they extend beyond the limited purposes of today and well into eternity. And that's encouraging to me because I know I can really easily center on me and forget that this has eternal purpose. It's just helpful to remember that.
0: I'm so often pulled one way or the other. Like, if the joy is engulfing me, then I'm like all about it. And if the sorrow is, I don't know, coming up around me, that I'm like, oh, I'm in despair. And I love that mental picture of like, kind of like stepping out of the center, lifting up our hands and acknowledging that He is God and that we can bring those things before Him in worship the joys and the sorrows. Yes. I feel like I've experienced more sorrow this year than I normally do. Well, yeah why is it that the Lord allows us to walk through suffering and grief? I think a lot of what women are wrestling with is thinking, well, if God really loves me, then like, why would he allow this to be so hard?
1: I think it was Spurgeon who said that God is too good to be unkind and, and too wise to be mistaken. And in his sovereign goodness, he has chosen suffering as a path to glory. Mm. Paul spoke of what he calls light afflictions, which seems crazy for me to think about considering that he, he was shipwrecked, he was nearly beaten to death, bit by poison snake and imprisoned. But his afflictions were horrible suffering, is what I would call horrible suffering, that could only be considered light in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that was working in him. And so I guess I just wonder, man, how great must that glory be? How great must that glory be if that type of suffering could be said to be light? And so I I, I look towards that glory. I'm encouraged to consider that.
0: When you're navigating like a pain or a hardship in your own life, how does living with eternity in view change the way that you are navigating the circumstance that's right in front of you in that moment?
1: Yeah. I mean, you've named just even in our world right now, there's just so many things to sorrow about. Part of that is just kind of the paradox of the Christian life, right? There's all something to be, that's something that's praiseworthy, but there's always something to lament. And I think part of me personally navigating some of the things that have been sorrowful is in this season, I've done a lot of learning how to lament, more so than I have any other season, I think, honestly. And I think it has moved me. It has challenged me to move from where I would just despair, just check out of the situation, or on the other end of that, where I would just be perpetually angry. Living in light of eternity moves me towards hope. And that's what lament has done. It has been that vehicle by which I've moved towards hope. Mm. And without that, I would have easily despaired or I would have easily become perpetually angry, but allowing myself to sit in that space and to feel that and to express it to the Lord so that I don't pass that pain on to others, but to fix my gaze back on him in a very uh, intentional way.
0: Mm, yes. Actually, when you were saying that, I'm even just thinking about standing at the foot of the cross. It's like, this is lament. This is true sorrow, like seeing our Savior die. But what hope it offers. I think that is something that I'm learning, too. I think a lot of my life I spent trying to move beyond lamenting. Like, let's just put a smile on your face. Right. Sometimes it felt like a waste of time, but I agree with you. This is something that the Lord is teaching me, too, that the Lord wants to meet us in our lament.
2: It's not hard to see that our world is broken. We all experience this brokenness in different ways. And so even though we might intellectually know the truths about God, that He's good, sovereign, and working all things for good and for His glory, sometimes the brokenness compels us to honestly lament. It's important to know that grief and lament is a right response to the brokenness of the world. It's good to sit in grief and to cry out to God with it. But, like Vanessa said, Lament can and should also be the vehicle by which we move towards hope, but how does it do this? It's because it's in the depths of our lament that we can truly see God's heart, and we can see that He has made a way for us to never be alone in our grief. Our grief points us to hope because it points us to the beauty of Emmanuel, God with us. Our lament points us to a God who condescended to a broken and pained world to bring hope. Our hurt reminds us that we have a God who is not distant in our grief but one who is gentle and lowly and near. Because Christ is the only one who has truly experienced our pain, he is the only one who could and has truly defeated sin and brokenness and has offered hope to this world. Our God, who was despised and rejected and a man of sorrows, who put on a frail human frame, who entered this broken world, who bore the full weight of its depravity, this God, who condescended in order that we might be made right before God, is a God of redemption and restoration. His heart is to enter in, to be near, to heal. The Word who became flesh came to dwell among us, God with us, Emmanuel. So even in the pain of death, the brokenness of friendships, the sorrow of loneliness, the grief of infertility, the loss of light and joy, we can grieve with hope because we know that Christ comes near and offers redemption to this broken world, that he cares deeply about the suffering of his people, and that he is Emmanuel, God with us, and one day we will be with him forever. We know there is hope because we know that this is not the end of the story.
1: There's something that happens in the process of lament. Yeah, we would rather not do it because it's uncomfortable. It hurts. No one wants to sit in their sorrow. And we'd like to just move back to the happy, happy, joy, joy. But what I found is when I do the honest and hard work of lament, well, one, it it does keep me from passing pain on to others because it helps me to express my pain before the Lord and to receive his comfort. But it also, it does something to that whole praise as well there's an authentic praise that comes from a depth of suffering that is unlike any other praise. And so I get past it and, you know, have a contrived praise. But I think the praise that we see in the psalmist comes from this depth of suffering that he accesses and puts before the Lord. And so when he gets to a place of praise, that praise is real. It is authentic. It is deep. Because the Lord has met him in the depths. And so the praise is that much greater.
0: Mm. I'm even thinking like of African-American spirituals. You know, you think about the depths from which they were crying um, and so many of those songs, like, you're like, how could you say that in the midst of experiencing something so horrific? And yet there's so much hope and a testament to who God is, even in the midst of that pain. Absolutely.
1: There is a theology of suffering that runs through the Black church, as I have experienced it, that definitely points to a praise. It, it doesn't forget the suffering. It doesn't just try to, um, as one of my um, dear professors, uh, Jaron Bars, would have said, it doesn't seek to heal our wounds lightly, but it accesses that pain and allows that pain to push us to greater praise.
0: Man, I want to do that in my own life. Yeah. Do you think that our own willingness to engage with the hard things in our in our lives personally does that impact
1: the way we walk alongside others? Uh, absolutely, I think that I think we've got Bible on that. Second Corinthians one, right? The God of all comfort that He gives us comfort so that we can comfort other people with the comfort we've received. I know just personally. The comfort that I've received, for instance, in the, one of the hardest things for me was the the loss of my dad. My dad died to lung cancer. And I can tell you qualitatively, I'm a much better friend to walk beside people now (laughs) than I would have been before that, just because I've been in the depths and I've received the Lord's comfort in my own brokenness and in my own pain. And so now I'm able to extend that with a whole lot more grace and compassion than before and not that i didn't care before but the caring is so much deeper because uh, i think empathy requires us to to access something with inside us and to have compassion for the one that um, is suffering so absolutely
0: we know you guys are loving this conversation with vanessa and because of that we want to tell you about another sponsor who helped make it possible Promises Kept by Courtney Reisig. What are the promises of God's covenants and how do they inform and transform the way that we live? In this new Bible study, Promises Kept, passionate and gifted Bible teacher Courtney Reisig will take you through five Old Testament covenants or promises with the goal of seeing God's beautiful storyline. Over the course of six weeks, you can discover the meaning of God's covenants with Adam, Abraham, Moses, and David, as well as the Exodus and Passover and the new covenant promises. You will get to see God's purposes for His people, their place in His purposes, and how the entire Bible fits together, and how Jesus fulfills God's loving covenants dive into God's precious promises to the people he loves through Courtney's study, Promises Kept, and find your heart strengthened and encouraged to face your days with greater love and courage. Order your study today at moodypublisherswomen.com or at the link in our show notes. How does living in light of eternity? How does keeping that in mind change the way that we come alongside others, maybe sisters in our churches or friends who are navigating various joys and sorrows in their life?
1: Yeah, I think it definitely again changes how we walk beside other people because I think we help each other remember. And there's more than what we're currently experiencing. It helps us to point them beyond the current experience. There's more. Even if it's joy, there's more. This is just a taste. There's more joy. If there's sorrow, man, this sorrow is working something in you, there's more. I have a a sweet friend who always talks about rehearsing the mighty acts of God. Hmm. And she helps preach the gospel to my soul by saying, okay, let's rehearse the mighty acts of God. And as we rehearse what He has done in our lives to each other, man, we build up this community and we remind each other to keep looking forward. I think that's just so key in living in light of eternity and how we walk with each other.
0: Amen, I need so much help remembering. And in fact, in many ways, that's what this podcast is. It's just an opportunity to remember and reflect on what God has done for us through the person of His Son, Jesus. Why do you think? Like, we know this to be true, Vanessa. Like, we believe it. We're staking our life on it. And yet, we are so prone to forgetfulness. Even in remembering that Christ is our hope, we are prone to forgetting that this is not the end. Like you said, this is not our home. Why are
1: we so prone to forgetfulness? Well, I think part of it is we've just been conditioned to believe that what is visible is more real than what is unseen. And that's just not biblical. I mean, we're told we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen for what is seen is temporary. What's unseen Mm -hmm. is eternal. So what's not seen is the greater thing that we should focus on. But I also think that we're forgetful. And I think that's just a part of our fallen condition. We are prone to forget, which is why scripture has to exhort us so many times repeatedly, remember, Remember the Lord, your God. Remember, lest you forget. Remember, remember, remember. And I think the result is when we don't remember, we say, uh, as Deuteronomy passage says, remember, lest you forget and say that I've done these things. We become self-focused again. And so it's just our sinful nature to forget and to lose focus. And the Lord knows that, which is why he exhorts us to remember.
0: What do you do when you see that you are forgetting? Walk me through the process for what that looks like for you personally, when you're like, I have stepped into the center, if you will. What does it look like for you to acknowledge your forgetfulness and
1: to remember once again and not forget? That's a great question. Practically, it's going back. And that's kind of my book of remembrance. Hmm. There are prayers in there that, you know, when I, at the time I pray them, I thought, man, how in the world will this come to pass? How in the world will the Lord get me out of this one this time? And I also see evidence of times when I have forgotten and how that went. <laughs> so for me, just having a personal record and I'm able to go back, that helps me refocus. That's my practical way of refocusing. Focusing, of course, the word, being exhorted by the word to remember that helps too never being far from the word and staying tied to it but yeah my but my own personal account as well just going back and remembering what it has looked like how i have failed miserably when i've not remembered him when i've tried to do things in my own strength and yeah those are i've got some really good reminders in there of uh, <laughs> of how to not forget and what happens when i forget I had a mentor, and she used to
0: always pray over me that I would remember the altars of God's faithfulness in my own life. Mm. And not only that, that I would also remember uh, the altars of God's faithfulness to his people throughout all of redemptive history. Mm. And so I think about it like that, too. I kind of go back and I'm like, no, 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 heart. Remember when—remember this. Remember when he met you here. Remember when he met you here? Remember when he did this? And then like you open up your Bible and you just see, boom, 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 all over the text. It's like, and he's not just been faithful to you, but look at how he's been faithful to all of his people. And that is so anchoring when you are just feeling like your gaze is shifting here and there to the right and to the left.
2: It's so easy to say God is faithful when he does what we want, right? But in those other areas, those hard areas, it can be a little more difficult to rehearse his faithfulness. Maybe for you right now, it seems that the hard days outnumber the easy days. Maybe it feels difficult to rehearse the mighty acts of God. Maybe it feels impossible to say God is faithful because you just can't see it. But the truth is, God is no less worthy of our trust when we struggle to trust him. He is no less faithful when we have to fight to see His faithfulness. His character is constant. His very name, Yahweh, I am that I am, proclaims His existence. All of Scripture tells of His true character, His faithful nature, and His fulfillment of His promises. The truth of God's faithfulness is not any less true because of our slowness to believe it. As believers, we are called to, as Vanessa said, rehearse the mighty acts of God. We see this in Scripture. God called the Israelites over and over again throughout the Old Testament to remember how He had saved them, to remember His name, to remember His character. David recalls the Lord's faithfulness again and again throughout the Psalms. And today, we too are called to remember—and to remind one another to remember—how God has been faithful—to us, to His people in all of redemptive history, and ultimately through Christ in His ultimate act of faithfulness friends if we daily remind ourselves of who god is and how he has been faithful it should become no more difficult to trust him in the heaviness and the struggles because we know him we know he is always faithful so may we remember and call one another to remember the mighty acts of god may we rehearse the truths of christ's proved faithfulness through his ultimate act of love on the cross and as we dwell on these things May we come to know and trust and love God even more deeply.
0: What might we see in ourselves
1: if we've lost sight? (laughs) Oh, Hunter, all kinds of unseemly things. I think it's the tendency to lose joy in my work. That's one of the ways I first see it. Huh. Yeah, when I find myself losing focus of the why I do what I do, I'm prone to feel overwhelmed or I become task oriented. That's always a telltale sign for me too. I, I love people and I, and I am pretty orderly in how I proceed in things, but I become overly task oriented or I become performance oriented. And so when I'm not living in light of eternity, I tend to those things, but there's a freedom and a joy that I lose when I forget the eternal purpose of my work, that really Christ who is building his church, And it's sometimes pleased to use my hands to do it. And when I put that in the wrong order, I lose that joy. I'm not building anything of any value without him. And so there's great joy for me to for me only when my work is a worship to him and living in light of those eternal purposes. We could talk about that all day long. In that vein, if you could encapsulate like
0: this is my purpose in the work that the Lord has set before me. Like, what is it when you feel like you have lost sight of eternity? Like, how do you kind of reorient yourself to why you're doing what you do specifically in relation to ministry.
1: Yeah, that's a necessary pause. And that necessary pause, depending on how long I've been going, sometimes I've been going pretty long and hard and it means that it it takes a longer pause, but sometimes a brief pause and I, I refocus on scripture. So go breathe some fresh air. Nature really helps me to refocus and just kind of, as as my friend would say, rehearsing the mighty acts of God, and whether that's in Scripture, whether that's in remembering why I'm called to do what I'm doing, remembering the one who called me and that he's faithful. I think that's something that a lot
0: of us are wrestling with, the concept of calling and just an understanding of like what it is to walk forward and what the Lord has set before us. How do you know what God's calling you to?
1: Well, one, for me, I know the gifts that he's put in me, the gifts speak to purpose and they speak to calling. But also I know the space he's called me to operate. That space is here. And, And sometimes Hunter, when we've got a lot more time, I'll have to tell you the story about how I ended up at First Presbyterian Church, Augusta. But the Lord made, He made it evident in no uncertain terms that um, this is where Hmm. our family was to be and where we were to serve just by how he providentially showed us this space and called us here.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But there is a a clarity of that that has come from just, well, one prayer, really leaning into him and asking him to make that known. And he is just faithful to do that.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. He is faithful to do that, to give clarity to that. But also, as you mentioned uh, earlier, there are mentors that can often see those gifts and callings and who can affirm those things in you. And then the body affirms the gifts. The body affirms the gifts. And so those are some ways. But you're right. Calling that can be tough. Lord, how, how do I know that I'm doing what it is that you've called me to do? And there are just some things as far as my gifts go that I know that I was made to do. I know that those are the things that he has given me to do, because those are the things that I'm most helpful doing in the body.
0: Yeah, I love that. When things get really hard, when we're walking alongside each other, I often question, is this what you're asking me to do? Yeah. When it's hard is when when I often feel that rub. It's like, is this really what you called me to, Lord? I don't think I'm cut out for this. Maybe it feels like it's too much. Maybe it is too much what encouragement would you offer to our sisters who find themselves in that
1: situation? And, uh, and I, I guess I'm going to flip that and say, if it's not too much, it's probably not a calling. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, seriously, the Lord hasn't once called me to something that I could do on my own. Not even once. <laughs> not not even once in my 47 years has he called me to do anything that I'm able to do on my own. I can remember first coming to First Pres. The very kind people were, they were feeling overwhelmed on my behalf, quite honestly. And they would say to me, "I, I know you must be overwhelmed. I know you must be overwhelmed. And in those moments, I was thinking, wow, they are so kind and they are so compassionate. But no, I'm really not. And here's why I had resolved when I got there, I was so certain of my calling to that space and to those people, I felt nothing like overwhelmed because I came knowing I couldn't do it. I came knowing that there was nothing that I was going to accomplish in that space that I could do in my strength. So no, I wasn't overwhelmed. I came knowing that I could absolutely not do that work if the Lord didn't do it through me. And so if your call is something that you can handle, Man, that's probably not a call.
0: I got tears running down my face. Thank you for that. That is a hope-filled reminder for all of us. Our last sponsor for today's episode is Dwell. You know we're all about God's Word here at Journey Women, and that is why we love telling you about the Dwell Bible app. Their mission is inspired by the psalmist who encourages us in Psalm 119 to hide the Word of God in our hearts. Dwell has made it easier than ever to listen to scripture on the go, especially with their introduction of Dwell for Apple CarPlay. Simply open Dwell from the CarPlay dashboard to quickly assess Dwell daily, as well as your up next content, favorite passages, and custom playlists. We love the unique features of the Dwell app that really help us get in the word and stay in the word. Go to dwellbible.com slash journeywomen to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 30% off Dwell for life. That's dwellbible.com slash journeywomen to commit to Scripture for the rest of this year or for life. In relation to walking alongside one another in these hard spaces— I think that's one of the things that we can carry with us into eternity, you know, just knowing like we are doing the work that the Lord has said before us. We know what he's called us to. He's called us to be agents of reconciliation and to point people to his son, Jesus. What are some other things that we will take with us into eternity?
1: Yeah, when I think about what I'm taking into eternity, what most comes to mind is that I am taking a hope that will be fully recognized and fully realized when I see Jesus face to face. That's what I'm taking into eternity. I love John uh, when he says, we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know this, that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I live for that day. That's the hope. That's what I'm into eternity. It's that hope that's going to be realized when I see Jesus.
0: Mm, knowing God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. What's the joy in doing that? I know you and I are both like obviously really passionate about the church and about all of us together coming to greater depths of understanding who God is and what he's done for us. What is the joy in knowing that we are going to walk alongside one another forever and ever?
1: It's almost inexpressible. How 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 dare you ask me something that's inexpressible? Wow. <laughs> oh, for me to even consider that that scene where every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Oh, my goodness. It's almost more than I can comprehend. I get lost in thinking about what does it look like to be radically free from sin? Yes. How does that look, Hunter? I mean, how does that look? I've never been without it. I don't know. How does it look to be radically free from sin and to be among every tribe, tongue, and nation? Oh, yeah. I, I, I know what it does do is it creates a longing for me that usually ends in a, in a come Lord Jesus.
0: Oh, yes, 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 yes. I would love to hear from you as this is the Journey Women podcast. The heart behind it is kind of mentoring and and acknowledging that we have much to learn from women who have gone before us,
1: who is it that's had an impact on your journey with Jesus, Vanessa? Wow. You know, that's a really good question. And I think my favorite journey woman of all time is my grandmother, Roxy Adams. My love for the Lord, my love for his word comes from her. Hmm. So my parents lived next door to her and my grandfather growing up. And so as a little kid, I would walk over and she kept me till I was five and ready for school. But What I saw her model for me every day, she was very arthritic. I don't remember a day when she wasn't struggling to walk and she would kneel first thing in the morning, slide off the side of the bed and kneel to pray. And that's what I witnessed every day. And she would pull herself up. I would always wonder if she was going to get back up, but she would pull herself to a standing position. She'd make her way down the hall, holding on. She'd go get cleaned up. And as soon as she came out, she had this old, worn white Bible. Well, it used to be white at some point, but it was this old, worn Bible. And she would open that. She'd plop me down next to her, and she'd hand me my book of Bible stories. Hmm. So every morning, first five years of my life, that's what we did. And uh, and we did that until about nine o'clock when The Price Is Right came on, and then it was time to <laughs> because that's important.
0: <laughs> well i wish we could get miss roxy on the podcast that would have been the best but you uh, a derivative of her have been such a delight thank you so much for joining me on the journey women podcast
1: today vanessa thanks for having me friend it's been great hanging out with you
0: We pray this episode reminds you to fix your gaze on eternity wherever you are today. That is what being a journeywoman is all about. To close out this series, we asked our listeners to answer the question, what is a journeywoman? And here's what you said. A journeywoman is focused, eyes locked on the destination, just putting one foot in front of the other. Through every trial, attack, doubt, fear, or suffering, she fixes her eyes on her true home, locks arms with her fellow sojourners, and just keeps taking one step at a time toward home sightseeing while passing through, just marveling at the Lord's work and faithfulness, but never taking up residence short of the destination.
2: A journey woman is someone who loves Christ, loves His Word, and is wholeheartedly committed to glorifying the Lord in all that they do. Journey women are those beloved of God, redeemed and set apart to belong to Him, raised to walk in newness of life and entrusted with a message of peace to a world that longs to be redeemed beckoning others to draw near to God, while the promise of rest still stands. A journey woman
1: steadfastly seeks the Lord each day
2: and willingly accepts all God assigns with glad surrender. A journey woman is deeply rooted in and fiercely pursues the character of God as revealed by the Word of God with the community of Christ.
0: You've been listening to Journeywoman, a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can do so by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give or visit the link in our show notes. And if you're digging our content, it would really bless us if you would leave a rating and review on iTunes. As always, it's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. We'll be back with a brand new series this May. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. See you then.